production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon, City Club members, students, educators, and community members joining us today. Welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. My name is Luke Kim. I am a junior at Solon High School and a member of the Youth Forum Council. I would like to welcome you to today's forum. If this is your first time attending a Youth Forum, you will find a feedback sheet on your table. Please fill it out and leave it on your table. If you are interested in joining the Youth Forum Council, have potential ideas on potential forum topics, or are interested in volunteering here at the City Club of Cleveland. Today, we are here to discuss the new college process. In June 2023, the Supreme Court made a landmark decision to overturn a 50-year precedent, ending the practice of affirmative action. This decision brought affirmative action to the forefront of public discourse during the summer, and it continues to be a prominent topic as educational institutions reopen. While affirmative action is commonly associated with university admissions, its roots trace back to 1935, but it gained significant attention in 1961 with John F. Kennedy's Executive Order 10925, aimed at advancing racial equality. Since then, it has intermittently made headlines evolving in public perception. Another critical facet of the college admissions process is that has endured during the years is academic tracking. Academic tracking is a method employed by many secondary schools to categorize students based on their perceived abilities, IQ, or achievement levels. Students are classified into high, middle, or low tracks to provide them with a curriculum and instruction tailored to their unique needs. Our esteemed guests, Ms. Shauna Bonner, school counselor and department chair at Shaker Heights High School, Ms. Kate Schwab, senior director of advising programs at College Now of Greater Cleveland, and Ms. Christina sanchez Waiten, director of undergraduate admissions at Cleveland State University, join us to explore how these factors and more impact both students and educators, endeavors to gain insights into what the future holds for college applicants. Our discussion will be moderated by Sudhu Ramesh, our Youth Forum Council President. Thank you for joining us today. Hi everyone, my name is Sudhi Ramesh. I'm a senior at Solon High School and president of the Youth Forum Council. And today I'm with three wonderful panelists to talk to you all about the college admissions process, how it's changed in the recent years, and how we can help our students kind of guide through that process. And the panelists will introduce themselves, starting with Shauna. Hello, I am Shauna Bonner, school counselor at Shaker Heights High School. Hi, Kate Schwab, Senior Director of Advising and Program Services with College Now Greater Cleveland, and thank you very much for having us here today. It's really wonderful to see all of you out there. Good afternoon. My name is Christina sanchez and I have the honor of serving as Director of Undergrad Admission at Cleveland State University, just down the road. 
All right, thank you so much. And I kind of want to begin by talking about COVID-19, since I think we can all agree that it's one of the biggest reasons why we have a lot of the changes and trends coming about with college admissions. So what would you guys say would be the biggest trends we see from COVID and how is it affecting college preparedness and students as they try to apply for college? I think the biggest change was the switch to test optional. So we had institutions that were test optional for years and they were always engaged in that process. But during COVID, without students having access to tests, then more admissions offices, I think you can confirm that, um, they invested in learning to read applications without having the test scores. And so I think that removed, um, honestly, some barriers for some of our students. And then because the process went well in so many instances, then it led to test optional being available still you know, now for many, many schools and several institutions committing to being test optional moving forward. And one thing to add to that is those admissions are test optional. We would still encourage students to take the entrance exams because many of the funding options available on campuses do rely on the test scores. So we do highly encourage students to still take those once, twice, multiple times, regardless if it's part of the admissions process or not. Yeah, I would say in addition to test optional, that was a conversation at institutions prior to COVID that kind of got ignited a little bit faster than I think some schools were ready for. Um, but it helped schools to look again at the application process to see how we can look at students more holistically. I think the biggest thing that I've seen, at least last year, are students that have outlying struggles on their transcripts from their COVID years. The access to having classes over Zoom wasn't equitable for everyone. Mm -hmm. So we see some school districts and some students that couldn't even get a computer for the first few weeks when we entered the COVID year. So we can see trends in their application through their transcript from maybe a difficult year that was an outlier from the other years. And so I think something that is nice that has come out of it is a lot more colleges and universities are looking at the whole picture of a student, not just at that did you meet the GPA requirement? They're looking a little bit more deep to say, did you, how did you perform before and after those difficult COVID years? And so I think that's something that's really benefited students, but it's a definite change that has come out in the admission process. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the holistic review process since that's something that a lot of, a lot of colleges are looking at and a lot of students are thinking whether these colleges are going to look at other aspects. Would you say that this has kind of steered colleges towards looking through essays and extracurriculars more heavily than just like a score on a test? I think they've had to, yeah. They've had to look at different factors. It's not just as cut and dry as what your, your GPA and your ACT or your SAT score. With those things removed, they're trying to look for other factors. What I always say in, at Cleveland State is we're always looking for a reason to admit a student. I'm never looking at an application trying to find a reason to deny a student, right? And so it gives us more to look at at a student profile to see what other factors are there to help that student's application forward. And in a, in a counseling point of view, how would you both say that that has affected how you're advising students to kind of view their applications in any way? I think it's important um, to stress to students like there are so many other pieces besides just the GPA, besides just the test score, and giving them an opportunity to really express themselves through their essay. Um, I find students 
that are writing essays that they think someone wants to hear. And so taking the time to sit down and talk to them and say, well, I don't really know anything new about you from reading this essay, and focus on really expressing who you are. So giving them an opportunity to embrace their um, individuality and not just put a standard answer. And so I think that's really important to kind of guide them and say, like, let yourself shine through, um, because that's what you know everyone wants to see. And to add to the holistic approach, looking at out-of-school time opportunities, so out of after-school programs, Saturday programs, opportunities that campuses offer during the summer, there are a number of opportunities students can take advantage to really express, again, in the essay about the other opportunities they've taken beyond the classroom. So connecting dots from what I'm learning in the classroom, how am I doing that outside of the classroom, and how does that apply to my post-secondary studies? So being able to showcase that as well. Yeah, that definitely helps. Um, and with like the recent overturning of affirmative action, how would you say that that has affected college admissions or how students are going about navigating that? Yeah, I, I could definitely start. I, for me, I'll offer my personal thoughts on it and then I'll go into my Cleveland State officer approach. My personal thoughts, I would not be here today had I not been offered a historically underrepresented scholarship through my institution for being a first-generation Latina student. That got me where I was. So for me, I have a hard time with the removal of affirmative action because evidence shows everyone benefits from having a diverse learning environment. Everyone. And so personally, I, I have a lot of hard time with it. but. How have colleges and universities responded? I work for a public institution that's all about access, and so for us, it, it hasn't changed our practice, but what I have seen other institutions take into consideration is there's so much in the recruitment and the application process that we don't understand sometimes on the college side as a barrier to a student, especially a first-generation student. So some of it could be the language on the application that we use is confusing, discourages a student, they stop the process. It could be that we're asking them to file the FAFSA, but we're not explaining what the FAFSA is. And so looking at some of that jargon, looking at an application fee that doesn't need to be there and is serving as a barrier to that student ever having the chance to have their application considered. Um, so it's looking at some of those practices, and I think colleges and universities are responding by trying to see what unintentional barriers they've put up. Do they have enough staff to sit a student down and walk them through? Are they clear about what it takes to get in? Because a student might have a lot of anxiety about applying if they don't know, hey, the institution's just looking for these criteria and I'm going to get in. So they are scared to get that rejection letter and they never apply. And so I think a lot of colleges and universities are looking at what are the things that we can do to take down those barriers for historically underrepresented students to encourage them to even start the application process. And so I think that's just a few. I know I talked a lot, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the higher ed institutions are reaching out to organizations like ours that, that work with students. We have a large footprint of students that we work with to really tighten those connections and to help students understand more about selective schools, especially HBCUs, but understanding that there are pathway programs that are, again, available on the college campuses. There's fly-in programs where students can go and spend time on campus so they can see what a campus life looks like, talk to students, learn from their experiences. 
So we have seen um, quite a few efforts increase from the institutions recognizing that there are other ways that they can reach out to students through recruitment, outreach, pathway programs, and so working with organizations like ours to help students have those connections to the institutions. I'd like to add to that, um, definitely from a personal perspective. I remember when I was a senior, I was very intentional in only applying to HBCUs, and I think that I am now seeing more students that are uh, trending in that way. Of course, there's pluses and minuses to any type mm -hmm. of university that you choose to go to, but more students are, um, in the conversations that I'm having, they're feeling like I'm going to a place where I am going to be embraced and celebrated. And so I think there has been a rise within our office of students that are choosing that pathway. I think something else that's important is that we offer opportunities for representatives to come to our school, and I think I've seen more reps um, sign up to visit the high school, and I'm sure they're doing that in other places as well, so they can get a chance to kind of talk to students and still state their commitment to diversity um, in person. Yeah, I think all of you guys kind of touched on this, but in regards to diversity and inclusion, how would you say your particular institution, either as a college, organization, or a high school, has kind of fostered that inclusivity within your campus and things like that? I can start. Um, if you know anything about the history of Shaker Heights, um, then you know that that has been a mission um, for many, many years. And um, one of the things that we did during COVID was we embarked on uh, detracking. And so I think that that has helped to um, give students an opportunity to have classes with a wide variety of students. And so giving them the opportunity to feel safe in those spaces, comfortable in those, comfortable in those spaces. Because I think sometimes um, assumptions are made like everybody wants to be in this particular space, but we don't know what it's like to actually live in that space. And so the detracking that has started um, gives students an opportunity to see like I can learn alongside any student and I can excel. And so when they get to the 11th and 12th grade, even 10th grade year, they have opportunities to then pursue IB or pursue AP or pursue College Credit Plus classes um, with a higher level of comfort. Of course, there's work that still needs to be done, but I think that there is a stated effort and commitment to um, having excellence you know, go around for every student. So access re remains one of our top priorities, so access to post-secondary education. And so we have advisors in many of the high schools in, the, in Northeast Ohio that are helping students with the college-going process, so helping them understand the readiness that is needed for post-secondary, uh, working with them to identify which post-secondary institution or career pathway may be the, the area they want to pursue, um, helping them with a the college affordability, so we offer scholarships, we also uh, work with students to apply for scholarships, helping with financial aid, so understanding the ins and outs of financial aid, which right now is in a new phase and will be opening later this year, so helping students in the, in the meantime to understand uh, what college affordability looks like and then how do you apply for it and then um, picking the right fit institutions. And so we've done that as a part of our school-based model in, in terms of advising, but we also have created cohort-based programming that really meets the needs of, of students. So we have, again, out-of-school time, time programming where we're looking at the ACT, SAT, PSAT prep, so helping students improve their scores. We also have a new program called Explore, where students understand career pathways, looking at that as a meta-major approach, so understanding, again, what are things you can be doing in high school to prepare yourself for post-secondary. Um, in addition, we do receive funding from the US government around TRIO programming, so it's programming that's helping students gain access 
to post-secondary, first looking at high school success and all the academic skills that go along with that. So really our institution from the beginning, our organization from the beginning, has really working to make sure that students have access to post-secondary studies. For Cleveland State, I mentioned earlier, we've always been a university of access that's always been important to us in our mission and our um, GPA requirements for the application process, but something that we're focused on as well is not just getting students through the door, but making sure that once they're on our campus, they feel they belong. So we just created a division of belonging and inclusion to make sure that we're focused on the student when they get there, that you were admitted to college for a reason, you belong here, and we're gonna support you throughout the whole journey of, a, of being a student. So on top of having our academic advising team, we have graduation and success coaching. They help students with some of the soft skills outside of the class. So you have your academic advisor, but then you have someone that's teaching you just how to manage your everyday life when you get to college, how to balance being a member of your family, but also a full-time student, how to make sure you know how to get connected to the resources that are at a university that maybe you've never heard of. And so just making sure that it's not about getting them through the door, it's keeping them there and getting them through to graduation. Yeah, I love that there are so many institutions that have the same objectives as you guys and really fostering that environment for the students. Um, Shauna, you kind of talked about this, about academic tracking, and I think it's a really important thing. Um, even if you're not a senior in any type of school you're in, tracking is a really big thing with how they're categorizing students. In a high school perspective, how would you say that um, how your school has shifted away from it, but what impacts did you guys see within Shaker when that type of program did exist? That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> there's definitely, it was definitely a shift in terms of for teaching. So one, teachers needed to be prepared to meet a wide range of students within the same classroom. And so I think that is something that is ongoing professional development to kind of help with that process. I think there was a shift in um, community members for or against um, the value of detracking. And so I feel like our, our steadfast goal is to, to demonstrate that detracking benefits everyone. Um, and having a, a diverse learning community is important for all students' success and growth. And so I feel like we have to continue to do work in the area of supporting students, supporting families, and showing the benefits um, and not that it's something that could harm another student by being in classes with particular students. And so I think um, as we move forward and we have organizations such as SCORE, the Student Group on Race Relations, they're now going into ninth grade classrooms and kind of helping to bridge the gap and have those open and honest conversations. And um, I think some of the rich discussions that come out of, of classes, and often I used to hear students say, oh, this person was my friend, I had a lot of classes with them, and then all of a sudden I didn't see them anymore. And so that's not happening, and I think that that's something to help build up our community. I like that. Um, and Christina and Kate, since you guys are kind of seeing those same students as they transition into higher education, do you guys see effects of academic tracking within that kind of demographic or affecting how students are prepared for college? I think college preparedness, yeah, can differ based on school district, based on resources, based on a number of things. And then it's up to the college when the student gets there to bring them up to speed on where they need to be. If maybe their, their school district was under a resource and they didn't have those sort of things available, 
I know the 13 state public institutions in Ohio look at honors, AP, IB, CCP classes equally. They're not saying, oh, because you're IB, this one's higher than a CCP, to try and level some of that out. And I know a lot of institutions will look at weighted or unweighted GPA, whichever benefits the student. So I've worked at two different state publics and both of them have said if it's unweighted or weighted that's higher, we're gonna take the one that's in the best interest of the students because we know it's not equitable. We know not every school district can offer it. So when they get to colleges, then it's dealing with a math placement or an English placement to see where are you academically based on how you were prepared in high school and what resources do we need to get you to where you need to be for the college readiness level. And in academic advising, working with students in the high schools is looking at what are the course offerings, what are the rigorous course offerings that they could potentially take, but also examples like what you're doing, which taking AP courses as long as college credit plus. So understanding kind of what their pathway is post high school and what are the, the more rigorous offerings that your high school offers or your community offers. Again, taking advantage of those out-of-school time opportunities. Um, again, many of the institutions offer prep programs during the summer between your 10th grade year, 11th grade year, 12th grade year. Taking advantage of the opportunities that campuses offer before orientation. So there's a lot of opportunities in the summer once you're enrolled in the institution. So helping students guide that process as well as understanding kind of what, what are the, the more rigorous offerings in my, on my campus and or uh, what opportunities do I have in the community to take advantage of? Yeah, definitely. And I think we've talked a lot about these varying trends. How would you say that your institution has kind of adapted to that and catered to those needs of various students or various policies that are changing within like the current culture of college admissions? So we have found uh, partnering with institutions, so a number of schools, um, in the state as well as out of the state. We bring students to college campuses, again, so that they can see all the offerings, they can see themselves on a campus, they can talk with students, because talking with students on campuses is very powerful. Um, so giving those opportunities for exposures. Um, we start that at an early age, because we know that um, in 12th grade, it's late. 11th grade, it may even be late. Um, so starting that in the younger grades so they have an opportunity to see the different campus sizes as well as learn about the different majors, talk to students. Um, so really, and then helping them to, to make those informed decisions about the options that are best for them for academic success. Yeah, I would say, I mentioned we haven't had to change a lot of our policies with the things that are changing. Um, at Cleveland State, but it's, it is getting the awareness out there sooner, getting in front of students sooner, trying to meet with younger students to help prepare them for what colleges are looking for, what things we can do to assist them, and just making awareness. Every college and university has an admissions team, and they have counselors who are assigned to your high school. And so knowing you have that as a resource, as a dedicated person to go to and ask those questions along the way, and opening the communication. So, you can text them, you can email them, you can call them, trying to make ourselves available to students in the way that they want to be communicated with so that we can open those lines and just say, look, this is a possibility for you. We're here to help explain how it, how it happens. I think it's important to teach our students to be resourceful, and I think that's the same thing. The same thing is true for school counselors. Um, we partner with college now. 
This year, we are looking into expanding kind of the services that we provide through College Now, giving access to the classrooms. Um, we are looking into field trips, I'm not field trips, but uh, college visits. And so being resourceful, making connections with college reps, allowing them to come to school to meet with our students, when students are concerned about their application process, they can have a conversation with me, but it's also very beneficial to be able to pick up the phone and call someone at a specific institution so that they feel supported and modeling the lifelong learning. And so as things change, we all have to learn and grow. And so I need to model that for students so that then they recognize and they embrace the fact that when things are changing, you need to educate yourself, you need to use your resources, you need to communicate, you need to collaborate, and you need to form partnerships with people that can help support you along your journey. And you guys work really, really closely with a lot of different students of different demographics. So how would you say is the best way of guiding the students who may be a little bit nervous about these changing policies through kind of ending up in a place where they're in their perfect fit in the perfect environment? How would you say that you're kind of helping guide them and advice for anybody in this room? My number one thing is to go visit where you want to go to school. Every college can put whatever they want on their website and whatever great curated videos, but you need to step foot on that campus. You need to try the food that you're gonna be eating every day. You need to see the other students and how they interact to make sure that you feel comfortable. Um, so that's my number one is go visit places. I know that's difficult. There's resources that aren't always there to go visit a, a number of colleges, but if you have some that are high on your list, see what you can do to step foot on that campus because you don't wanna get somewhere based on a pretty brochure and then not feel comfortable. And so that's my number one about getting there, but we try and just put as much information out as possible to students to demystify the process so that you don't feel scared of taking any of those next steps. So you know exactly what we're expecting, we know exactly when the timelines are, we're not trying to have you miss a deadline or miss a scholarship application, we want you to have all of that information. And so. We just try our best to communicate and then encourage students to come see it themselves, walk around campus, sit in a lounge, listen to the student conversations and make sure that you can actually see yourself going to this place. And I have quite a few colleagues here today that work day in and day out with the students and the work that they do is invaluable because they are there every single day talking to students, helping students navigate the process, helping to debunk the myths, building partnerships with community resources, building partnerships with institutions, bringing the representatives into the school or bringing the students to the school. But part of uh, the COVID movement and, and, and working with students has also been opening up a lot of uh, virtual opportunities. So there are a number of campuses that students can now virtually see that maybe they weren't able to see before. So it's, it's really opening it up to a number of, of different opportunities that students can take a part of as a virtual um, setting and or in school, out of school. Um, so really just having that caring adult uh, that helps support them through the process, helps in the last minute to do applications, essays, edits their essays multiple times, um, but then also again, giving them that exposure and then um, if there's areas where they want to improve, helping them find the resources to do that. So I commend them for, for doing that day in and day out and thank them. I think it's important to provide the personal touch. Um, we have a lot of large group meetings, large group parent meetings, but then we'll also hold um, individual meetings with families during the junior year, individual meetings with students. 
And I think it's important to recognize where a student is in the process. So students that are a little bit afraid or they start the application and then they stop, bringing them into the office, having a conversation, seeing where did they stop, and giving them some nudges, and that looks different for every single student. So it's all about meeting a student where they are and helping them see where they can be. I love how you put it with, it doesn't, it's not a one-size-fits-all process for all of these students. And kind of going off of that, we kind of talked about standardized testing and how some institutions are either moving away from it and different aspects like that. How are we kind of adapting to that with students kind of emerging with non-traditional means of success or activities that can't really be put on paper with a number? How, how are institutions kind of adapting to that? I think it's important to stress for students. So we have students that are involved in 55 clubs and 20 sports, mm -hmm. but then we also have students that have responsibilities at home. They may need to take care of siblings, um, aging parents or grandparents, I've heard. We also have fam uh, students that need to work. And so talking to them and allowing them to see what skills they're learning through their activities, and even though it may not look the same as some of their peers, making sure that they understand that what they're doing is valuable and giving them a chance to kind of express their experience and their personal growth through whatever it is that life has dealt them. And I think that's really important. I think that was perfectly was stated. Perfectly yeah. stated. Yes. <laughs> it, it was, it, because you're right, not everyone has the time to go out and do these mm -hmm. things. They're helping to support their families. They're helping take care of a little brother or sister. But what they learn from it, the soft and, and applicable skills that they can communicate, those are the important things. Mm -hmm. And similar to what I said, when I'm looking at an application, if I see a student's got a bad semester and then I can read a little bit about what was going on in their life that impacted them, what they learned, how they're using that moving forward, I mean, that tells me so much more about the student than they were captain of the tennis team. You know, it, it's okay. how they communicate their life experiences mm -hmm. into what they're going to learn and how they're going to take that forward that it makes all the difference. So going back to the college essay and being able to express and to yeah. share, um, I know in reviewing scholarship applications, as you mentioned, there's many things listed, and then the story that students tell yeah. of, on top of all of the things that they've been doing, the experiences they've had beyond that, uh, it really makes a, a holistic view of the student and really does give uh, missions representatives an opportunity to have a little insight into the student without ever meeting them, perhaps. I know we've talked a lot about the students, and I want to kind of end on you guys. How do you see your roles changing amidst these trends and these various policies? How, have, how has your job kind of adapted to that, or how do you see your job kind of changing in the next couple years as things continue to change? We've continued to ramp up our community efforts, so offering education um, via webinars, sessions, so that the community and parents understand the process. Um, having the connectivity between admissions representatives and the students. Um, so again, if it's either bring them to campuses, bring them to our office, having panel discussions that are virtual so more families can jump on the panels and learn more about it. Um, those, are, those are things that we will continue to do um, and, and continue to, to have our kind of repository of, of um, videos and webinars that students can view if they're not able to join them live or able to participate them in other forums. They at least have that opportunity to have that right at their fingertips. So. I think a lot of my role has evolved into being an advocate for students because institutions of higher education can be ones that are a little bit difficult to make changes. You know, there's a lot of legacy, a lot of ways that things have been always been done. And 
we are the ones talking to the high school counselors, meeting with students, and we can see what's impacting their everyday lives. So taking that information back to the higher leadership teams at the institutions to say, this is actually what students are worried about. This is actually what students are excited about. This is what we're hearing from parents and families. This, these are the challenges in front of students to, to advocate for how we can continue to evolve the institutions, our practices, our recruitment, our admission application process to meet the needs of students as they are now and not how they were 60 years ago when we started as an institution. And so I just see myself as an advocate. That's what I do. I meet with the appropriate people, our partners at the high school and the college now level, and try and make sure that what we are doing in practice is what students actually need. I think that's well said. Um, in addition to being an advocate, teaching students to be their own advocate, and so helping them to develop their self-advocacy skills and their resiliency skills, I think is important, and just ever learning, growing, and evolving so that you can meet the unique needs of individual students, not just a large population of students. I think that's an amazing note to end on. Um, thank you guys so much. Um, I'm gonna pass it on to Shreya for our Q&A. Uh, good afternoon, my name is Shreya Chelu, and I'm a junior at Beechwood High School and the Communications Chair of the Youth Forum Council. Today we have been enjoying a youth forum panel discussing the new college process, featuring Ms. Shauna Bonner from Shaker Heights High School, Ms. Kate Schwab from College Now, and Ms. Karina Sanchez-Wayton from Cleveland State University. Moderating today's conversation has been Youth Forum Council President Sudhi Ramesh. We're about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, whether it be city council, city club members, students, educators, or those of you joining us via our webcast. We ask that your questions please be brief, to the point, and end in a question mark. If you are joining us, <laughs> if you are joining us via webcast and would like to ask a question, please text us at 330-541-5794 and we'll ask as time allows. Holding microphones today are Youth Forum Council members, Kate and Zoe. Can we have our first question, please? Hello, my name is, oops, sorry. My name is Asian Lee, I'm from MC STEM, and I have some questions. Um, I noticed that earlier um, in this conversation, you mentioned affirmative action. We learned about what it is. Um, do you, as educators and counselors, um, feel that affirmative action is good and would it help with the college process? Or I just wanted to know your general opinion on affirmative action in general. I know I offered my personal opinion at, at the start um, that Every bit of evidence is still out there to say that having a diverse student population helps learning outcomes for everyone at the institution, not just those students from the diverse background. And so I think having legacy admission at institutions where students who are primarily from one background or continued to be offered admission at an institution can be difficult. And that has shown in the states where they've already said that affirmative action couldn't happen, we've seen a decrease in students from historically underrepresented backgrounds. And so I think it's a challenge for some institutions more than others. I think that it, colleges will find a way to respond to ensure that they're keeping 
a diverse student population, but my personal opinion, I do think it benefits everyone to be allowed to have a more diverse student population. And I echo, echo yeah. that. And encourage students, as we talked earlier about, about the essays, really sharing your experiences, sharing your background. Um, it doesn't preclude recommenders to also share. Um, so just really taking that time to, to hone your essay and to be able to explain who you are, um, what your experience is, how they have brought you through your high school experience, and, and how they will um, bring you through to your, your post-secondary experience. I agree. <laughs> we have is what is one piece of advice you'd like to give to seniors who are getting ready for the college process use your resources um, and pay attention to deadlines all are welcome to work with college now so if you do not have college now in your high school we do have a resource center and we have free services to students uh, the, the scholarships are very important um, college affordability I'm sure is something that's on many minds um, and so just navigating that process, applying for scholarships, we offer scholarships as well. Um, just kind of knowing what your institutions offer. Um, advocate, so we talked a lot. So once you've received your financial aid award letters, um, don't hesitate to advocate for yourself. Call those financial aid offices and talk about is, is there more uh, financial funding on, on campus or what are some other opportunities also being aware that first year funding might look a little diff different than second and third and fourth year funding. Um, so being aware of that as well. There may be even more financial opportunities available to students as they progress through their post-secondary experience. Also find a mentor on campus. So many institutions offer campus hours for their professors or for their teaching assistants. Take advantage of those. Uh, if you're struggling in a course, it's okay ask for help, ask what you can do. So really just talking again about advocating for yourself before and once you get on to campus. Yeah, I think all of those are, are really good. I mentioned previously visiting campuses if you can to get there, but keeping your options open through the financial aid award letters is huge. We have conversations with families all the time that get to that point where they're actually looking at the cost of attendance. They say, well, I've got a huge scholarship from this school but then once they do the math, they realize it's still so much more expensive than this school over here. And I didn't really think about it when I first got that merit offer. And so keeping your options open and understanding what financing your college education looks like when you get there, and then asking those questions. Pick up the phone and call the financial aid office. Talk through the questions that you have. If you don't understand a term they're using on their award letters, call and ask. They have staff there to help. Yeah, you had great advice. Hello, my name is Amir Odin. I come here from today from Cleveland Heights High School. And I'd like to ask, as an administrator, how would you go about advising a student to viewing their dream college, since I don't belong to any organizations like MSAN? So I'd like to know, as a student, how would you go about going to that campus and seeing if that environment is suitable for you? So you're saying, how do you go about it, or how do we go about reaching you? How would a student go about, 
organizing themselves to see the campus, be on campus, and view any resources that they have that might be suitable for themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I mentioned, every college and university has an admissions team that has visits. Most do daily visits that you can set up and just take a general tour of a campus. But if you want something more in depth, if you want to meet with a professor, you want to sit in on a class, you want to take a tour of a specific department, sending a, a message to that admissions team to let them know you would like a more in-depth visit. At Cleveland State, we call them a green and white visit. We'll set up lunch. We'll set up you know, going to visit a few different areas. Sometimes we'll outreach to a student who we know is interested and we'll invite them to that, but many times it's a student reaching out to us that say, I want to see your film school. How can I set up a visit? And so then we will take them down to the film school. Sometimes they'll do a hands-on project. And so if you have that interest, reach out to the admissions office. There's usually someone specific for your high school, but if you can't find that person, every college has a general admissions at whatever the college name, email address, send it to them and they'll get it to the right person and help you get it set up. Thank you very much. Post-secondary institutions also have virtual tours. So if getting to the campus may be difficult, uh, there are those, those virtual opportunities. There are Q&A opportunities that you can talk to admission staff as well as students. Um, you can also set up, often set up times to talk with students just about their experiences on campus. So even if you have to do a virtual visit, but then talk to a student um, to learn from their experiences as well, that, those are other opportunities if it's not as accessible to get to the campus. Many institutions also come to the Cleveland area, um, so attending the college fairs, talking to, to the post, or excuse me, to the admissions representatives um, about their campus life as well um, is very beneficial if it's, if it's harder to get to the campus setting itself. And I would like to add just one small thing. Um, in the school counseling office, more often than not, um, school counselors can connect you with a student that's directly from your high school. And so I think having someone that has experienced your high school setting and having an opportunity to talk to them about how they were able to transition into the, the uh, higher, higher education environment is really important as well. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Bailey. I'm from Brush High School. And I would like to know, as a sophomore myself, what would you recommend someone my age to do to prepare for the new college process if they're interested in attending a university or a college eventually? Do you want to start? Go ahead. Uh, so first, def identifying institutions that may be of interest to you, exploring uh, what majors they offer as well as what programs they offer. Do they have any offerings that you can participate in now as a junior um, or even as a senior? Uh, looking at, so test prep, so looking at your ACT, SAT, you'll be taking one soon. Um, looking for those, those prep courses that you can take now to get yourself ready, and then once you take it, again, looking for some of the options. We offer a number of programs to help students with their test prep as well. Um, and, and those visits, so again, going to college fairs that are happening in this area, uh, going to uh, as many institutions as you can that offer those visits days, those will help you start thinking about what is it that they're looking for, what are things that I can be doing now, and not just in the classroom, but outside of the classroom to get myself prepared for my post-secondary study. But really knowing, too, what kind of career you're interested in, and what's that educational pathway for that career that you may want to pursue. Yeah, I was going to say that Exploring majors, programs, things that are of interest to you are a good first step because then you can start to see like, what schools do this best. 
So a lot of colleges and universities have a test assessment you can take online to say what is a major that fits with my skill set. So you can say I'm really strong in this area of school. I really am not a big fan of math or you know whatever the case may be. And you take this assessment and it'll say here are some majors that might fit with your interests. Here are some careers you can get from there. And then you can start to say, okay, well, what college does this best? And if I'm looking at a few different colleges, do I want to be in a city? Do I want to be in a rural area? Do I want to be, like, what interests me as far as living? So that can help you narrow down some of those options. But yeah, test prep is a great one. And just starting to look through what college options are. If you have a college you're interested in, you can go to their website. And there's usually a like send me more information form. So you can put your name in there, and then they'll start to send you brochures, visit opportunities, so you can start hearing from them and start to really get a feel if that's a school that you're interested in. I agree. Within this area, there are so many different types of colleges, and so I think in the sophomore year, just getting on any campus is really important, because for some students, they'll say, I only want a school like this, or I only want a school like that, yep. without even seeing it. Yeah. And so, being from Brush High School, within a 30-mile radius, you have so many different schools, different types of schools that you can visit, so even just exploring. If your family is traveling somewhere for a spring break or a wedding or something else, driving through a college campus, getting out and walking on a college campus in any area, because I think then you can start to formulate opinions and ideas about what type of setting and environment you might be interested in. Volunteering if you can volunteer, because that gives you a chance to kind of explore. Um, it's just as important to figure out what you like as well as figuring out what you don't like. Um, students will often say, I, I wanna be a nurse, but I don't like blood. And it's like those two things <laughs> don't line up. So having that first experience and realizing maybe this isn't the environment for me is okay. And recognizing that it's okay if you find different things that you do not like, because then that means you're getting closer to figuring out what it is that you do like. Okay, thank you all. Thank you. Hey, my question, oh, my name is Juliana Madlock. I'm from Cleveland Heights High School. I'm a senior, and my question is, um, how are you or your institutions looking to aid students in light of the recent political climate and like more restrictive laws that are coming into play? I think one, um, kind of some of the things that we, we mentioned previously is making sure that the student is embracing who they are and expressing that in a variety of ways um, through their college essays, through their uh, prompts, because sometimes there's the big essay and then there's also the smaller uh, supplemental essays. So making sure anytime you get, you have an opportunity to share your voice, that you share your authentic voice. And also recognizing institutions that are um, in your best, that will be in your best interest. And sometimes it just might not be the school that you were hoping for. Um, because at the end of the day, you're going to be there for four years and you want to be in an environment that's going to embrace you and that's going to support your growth and support who you are as a whole person. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> um, we're told growing up that our grades don't matter until junior and senior year. As mentioned earlier, colleges aren't just looking at our test scores. What are ways that students can make themselves stand out more to college administrators? That's a great question. Uh, so we, we talked earlier about the, the holistic uh, view of students. So what are they doing outside of the classroom? What are they doing in the summers? 
Uh, how are they taking advantage of opportunities in their schools? Um, so those are all ways that uh, college admissions reps do look at as well in addition to the grades. Yeah, and I will say, Grades do matter. We do, we're not just looking at your, your junior year of grades. We're looking at the grades throughout. And so junior year is really when you start, those are the grades we're looking at. Sometimes colleges will say, send us your seventh semester, so your first semester of your senior year. But for the most part, it's through your junior year. So if you started thinking about the GPA in your junior year, sometimes that's too late to make an impact on that cumulative GPA. And so it is it is important if someone's telling you we're not looking at grades, like that is not accurate. We are looking at that as a part of your application and we're looking to see how you've progressed through those grades. And so um, I think we've said before, some of the part where we're looking at specific courses is in your junior and senior year, are you taking those college prep ones getting ready to gear up to go or do you have five study halls on your schedule? You know, it's looking at not just the GPA, but what the rigor of the courses are to prepare you, because we don't want to see a student fail when they get to college. I promise you that. We want to admit students that are ready for going to college, that are prepared to graduation. So we are looking for ways that you will be successful, and those grades are one indicator to tell us that the student is ready. Um, but yeah, some of the other parts of your application Again, if I'm looking at a student who doesn't meet the GPA requirement, I'm looking at what they're doing outside, what outside factors have impacted their education, what things that they're doing to prepare. Um, that's always something I love to hear is if a student says, I know that this is my grade, but I'm working on this, this, this. When I get to college, I'm going to have these tutoring services. Like You recognize the steps you can take at the college level to help improve that, and that's, that's a big factor for us. Hi, my name is Faith. I'm from Charles S. Brush High School. I'm a sophomore. I was wondering, do you think sophomore year is the best time to apply for colleges? No, your application <laughs> for college typically doesn't open until August 1st of your senior year. So if you apply to a college in your sophomore year, they'll probably tell you, we appreciate the ambition, but apply <laughs> your senior year. So yeah, most schools it'll open August 1st. That's Common App opens, so a lot of colleges will align with the Common App application opening August 1st. But there's a difference in applying and indicating an interest. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, if you want to fill out an interest form for a college sophomore year, that's a great time to start looking. It gives you plenty of time to look through, again, what you like, what you don't like. But the actual admission application comes your senior year. But this is also a good time to look at scholarships. Yeah. So looking at some do open earlier than the senior year. So and then just looking at what's available. So getting yourself set up for when you get to the senior year and start applying, then you may have already applied for some scholarships or you know which ones may work towards uh, what you're interested in pursuing. Thank you. Hi, my name is Deshara Turner. I'm from, I'm a senior at um, Cleveland Heights High. And so my question is like relating back to the self-advocacy part, um, how can we incorporate that into our college application process? Like more on a personal note, like the school not just focusing on our grades, but us personally and how can we make it unique? I would say it's connecting with the admissions representative at the college if you can. You can put it in an essay, but if you reach out, a lot of times my phone is ringing with parents calling. 
and I would much rather have the conversation with the student. The student's the one that's going to be on campus, they're going to be the one that is in the classroom, they're going to be the ones that need to understand how the classes that they're taking are helping further themselves. So if I am talking to a student, that's always a great first step. But if you're doing it through an application, I would say putting some more information about yourself in an essay and then connecting, if you can, with the admissions officers. I have plenty of people in my office that'll say, oh, I have this student visiting today and they know a little bit about the student and they have a connection with them and so they, they look out for them when they get to campus. We have some that even work in our office after they start because we just feel so connected to them throughout mm -hmm. the process. And so if you have the time to connect with the admissions officers, that's great. Um, but you can put it in an essay or put it in a, a little bit more detail in your application. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Ashwin. I'm a sophomore at Solon High School. And I was wondering what we can expect in the different application experiences between public universities like Ohio State or Michigan versus private colleges like Harvard or Princeton. Well, one thing that you can expect to see differently difference in uh, some of the more selective institutions, you'll have additional supplementals. Um, a lot of times, one of the standard questions is why this school? Um, and so taking the time to actually research the school and how you fit in that environment and providing a personalized answer from school to school and not just a general statement is really mm -hmm. important. I do know that um, in light of the decision for affirmative action, some, some universities are adding an additional question to kind of speak to who you are as a person and how you show up in your world and your community. Um, so more supplementals, not requiring an essay in some cases, um, and some, for some it's just completing the basic questions for a less, a less selective school or a lot of state schools. It might just be completing the basic questions having your standard Common App essay, you submit and you're done. Um, so it's the additional pieces. I think there are more institutions that are moving to having students self-report their grades. I think I saw a lot of that this year, um, where students, I had to give them a copy of their transcript so they can actually then go and load class by class, semester by semester. So just some additional uh, pieces to the application that uh, become available based on how the institution reads applications in their office. And the more selective schools also typically require the CSS profile, so that's an additional uh, piece that you can fill out to give more information about yourself as well, in addition to what Ms. Bonner was saying. Um, I'm Amir, I'm a freshman in high school. I'd like to ask, for a student who only has one college in mind but fear they might not recommend the, or require meet the requirements, how would you advise them to looking for a college they might want to go to but aren't quite sure? Okay. It's glad that you're asking this question as a freshman. One, I think mm -hmm. that's great. Um, your interest, who you are, and the type of in, um, environment and community that you want to be a part of may change from now until your senior year. I always encourage students, if the school that they're applying to isn't a school that would land into like a safety school range, meaning that I know for sure based on their uh, GPA, test scores, and all of that, that it's a school for sure they're going to get into, I always encourage students to find a safety school, and safety means safety for distance, safety for academics, safety for finances. 
it has to be a school that you would go to, that you can see yourself going to. Um, too often, we'll have students apply, or I've seen students apply to schools, and it's their safety school, but deep down inside, they know, I don't want to go there, or I don't see myself there. And so then it's then taking the time to work with them to find a school that would meet those parameters. So it's not just applying to schools for the sake of applying, but applying to schools where there's something on that campus, something that they are offering that you can identify with, and just taking the time to do the research and look for um, additional options that are available to you. I do have some students that will apply to only one school, but that's because everyone that's looking at the application and supporting the student, we're all confident that yes, this will happen. Yes, I know I want the film program at Cleveland State, go ahead and do it. Um, but there are other times when we need to encourage and kind of support a student in doing research to find other schools to apply to as well. And I would say, just to add to that, we know students on average are applying to about seven to 10 schools. And that's not an option for everyone because as I mentioned, there's a lot of barriers with application fees and things that come up. But having a few schools to choose from helps you when you get to that decision point with the financial aid package. As I mentioned, a lot of times you get to that point and you think, oh, I didn't consider that I couldn't afford to go to this dream institution I have and now I'm this far into the decision process, I need to apply to other schools, maybe I missed a scholarship deadline. And so giving yourself options is the best thing you could do. Even if you know for sure, I wanna go to this school, we at the college side know you're probably applying to multiple schools and weighing your options. And so it's not gonna hinder you to apply to other places to keep your options open. And starting early gives you that opportunity yeah. to explore. And you may find when you're exploring that there's a school that you have your mindset on and you start comparing. And as Ms. Bonner said, then you start learning about other institutions that maybe you weren't aware of before that may actually have more than what you originally thought you were looking for. So giving yourself time in your freshman year is, is really impressive. And that gives you a long time to explore. You are probably gonna change your mind. There's gonna be different things that you are interested in looking at maybe even once you get to your junior and senior year, maybe you want a big campus now, but as you uh, progress a little bit in your high school experience, you might realize you want a smaller campus. Your major may change that you're interested in as well because you're exploring new coursework and new opportunities in high school. So giving yourself that space early on will really help you when you start getting kind of having to narrow it down a little bit more. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today at the City Club of Cleveland for our Youth Forum Council panel on the new college process. Thank you again to our panelists, Ms. Shauna Bonner, Ms. Kate Schwab, and Ms. Christina Sanchez-Waiton for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be here with us today. I would like to recognize all of the schools that we have represented in this room. Solon High School, MC Squared STEM High School, Beachwood High School, Cleveland Heights High School, Charles F. Brush High School, University School, and Brookside High School. We would like to thank College Now for being in attendance and also give a special thank you to our sponsors, Nordson, the George W. Codrington Charitable Foundation, AT&T, Martha Holden Jennings Foundation, and the Doris C. Michalski Trust for your continued support of the Youth Forum Council. If you enjoyed today's forum, we invite you to join us for our next Youth Forum Council next semester on January 18th. Educators, if you are interested in bringing your students to future forums 
or are interested in your students participating in the Hope and Stanley Adelstein Free Speech Essay Contest, please email ariasmith at cityclub.org. That brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, panelists, students, and City Club attendees. This forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.